Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, this is Flip Your Weird with Max. All about creative people that never give up till they reach success and desire some true happiness. And we all need to just, like, love and support each other, and that's what I think this new generation of artists is doing. What's up? Flipping our wig with Max. <laughs> hey, guys, it's Max. Okay, so this week's guest. She is a musician, an artist, a podcast host, a cat mom. Is there anything I've forgotten, Francis? I don't know. I like cooking. <laughs> Do you? Chef. Are you good at it, though? I think, like, I have my... Yeah, like, I can make yummy food, but it's, I guess it's like, I'm like a home cook. Mmm. Like, you know, like, you know, like, whip up a bolognese and, like, not, like, I don't need a recipe for lots of different things, but then then I do, like, I kind of branch out. I to... officially think your man is the luckiest dude in the whole entire world because anybody that doesn't need a recipe, I can just throw things in a pot and make it taste good is, is great with me. My friend Rick, who lives in Northumberland, he used to be such a good cook and he'd just do everything, throw it all in. But even when he did roast potatoes, he would get goose fat. And like, who knows that? And I used to be like, oh, did I miss something? <laughs> What's wrong with the wheel? It did taste better, I have to be honest with Goose, but um, shout out to Rick. Okay, so before we chat, a lot of things I want to talk to you about. For those of you that may not have heard of Frances, where have you been living? She's super talented. Check out her Spotify, her Apple Music, all that good stuff. There'll be more details in the show notes. And here is a taste of her music. I'll feel the fear for you. I'll cry your tears for you I'll do anything I can to make you comfortable Even if I fall down When you're not around Don't worry about me Don't worry about me Such a beautiful song, absolutely love it. Francis, don't worry about me. This week's um, guest on the Flippy Week podcast. So I guess I want to start with um, right now. We follow each other on Instagram, on Twitter, and you have really been busy. It feels as though you've really embraced this kind of weird lockdown sort of period. Is that fair? Um, I mean, I think I just embraced the weirdness of it at the beginning, um, because it's weird, like, because with music, technically I could still work in, like, in the kind of no different way than I would usually, because I do usually spend half my week working on my own, because um, I produce a bit and, like, and write on my own as well so I could technically still carry on doing that but I didn't because it just felt really weird to like carry on working when the whole country like ground to a halt <laughs> the whole world so I didn't I played a lot of the sims and I baked every single day and just did all all of the all of the normal lockdown things I think for like those people who were just kind of sitting at home and also my my boyfriend works in events so he wasn't like working at all mm-hmm. so it just felt a bit weird to be kind of working so I didn't actually for the first like three four weeks didn't we do anything um I just got into the grip of it like you know with the whole world really um and then I kind of slowly started doing bits of music but also I just didn't really feel like I wanted to have anything to write about (laughs) I wasn't going anywhere like it's a bit weird to write about a pandemic when you're in the midst of it as well um and also I I guess I probably felt like my struggles that were pretty kind of mundane were really kind of irrelevant to the rest of the world's struggles <laughs> because there were people that were like still having to go to work and or were living in places where you know the ability to like the ability to kind of isolate 
and quarantine is such a luxury. And I feel like there's no, I just can't write a song about that. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm a bit bored. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because some people were criticised so heavily, like, you go into your second homes in Cornwall. And the Cornish people were like, don't come here. And I remember, um, I think it was Gordon Ramsay really got it. Like, people were, like, really pissed off with him. But the thing is, though, like, um, it's so weird because if you had a second home somewhere like chilled and beautiful and not like London you can see why people would go to it but equally you can see the argument of people that live there that are like don't come here there's a lot of elderly people here so it's, it's like when when you have to stop being a little bit selfish thinking about you and your family you and your friends and start thinking about everybody yeah it's just always a balance I think and I am I don't have a second home but I don't know, have one home. Um, but actually we thought right at the beginning of lockdown, we, I phoned my mum, we were like, maybe we'll go home to my mum's because she lives in the countryside. And I was a bit like, I don't want to not see her for weeks. So I thought it's going to be, and of course that is what ended up happening. But um, we're like, we'll take the cats and we'll go to my mum's. And then we're just like, I don't know whether we can be stuck because it's just like a tiny town, like nothing happens at all. At least in London, like we could still get Domino's pizza. So I was like, yeah, there was like, there's like nothing going on. So we're like, would we rather be stuck there for yeah. eight weeks or stuck yeah. in London? And we're like, I think we'd rather be in London. It was really hard, obviously, being away from family, but... Have you enjoyed, like, I saw you um, on your Instagram post that, oh my God, I've got my own home. So in a strange way, you really had a lot of time with you and the home. Has that been really nice? Have you had a moment where you thought, hmm, I'm this age and I'm a homeowner? How did that happen? Yes, really. Like, that's actually the weirdest thing because we um, were, like, in the process of buying this house, like, in, like, we started in February. And then I went to do a writing trip in L.A., which was a really weird thing because we got, like, Jack came with me and we got back, like, the 8th of March. And it was all starting to get a bit weird. Like, we're in L.A. and I was thinking, I I kept putting flights on hold. (laughs) I was, like, getting a bit nervous because British Airways were, like, we're cancelling this flight and this flight. We're like, there's going to be no plane for us to get on. And I don't, like, I'm quite a home bird. I was like, I really don't want to be stuck in LA. I mean, there's, there's people probably listening right now thinking, um, I wouldn't mind, but, you know. Word. You just, you just wouldn't mind. Like, it's, it's a great place to go and work, but it lacks a bit of soul. Um, so I was pretty desperate to kind of come home. And also because I knew that we were doing this house thing. But, yeah, we had to do all like the exchange of contracts and stuff really weirdly like in a park socially distanced like the solicitor like put something on a bench and then like walked away (laughs) it was like the weirdest thing but it was actually I couldn't work out how we would have done it if we were both working normally like it's so stressful packing all your stuff and um and moving and it was quite chilled for us because this house was empty and we were renting before so there wasn't like a chain either side so that made it a bit simpler um but I don't know how we would have done it if we were working like it's so you're much- there now you're there now and I am like my job is meant I've had the pleasure of interviewing so many different people in music and film and the one thing I always clock is there's so many people that have all the clothes and like all the glamour and all that rubbish. So I'm not that it's rubbish, sorry. I do like glamour and all of that, so let's not lie. But um, sometimes they don't own their own home. They don't necessarily have savings in the bank and they're living for that moment. And the perception is, wow, this person's living the best life. But then you, on the other hand, as a musician who came in the game very young, which I want to talk about, you've still managed to keep your head screwed on pretty good because you've got the house and you've managed to also, from what I can see, keep your sanity and have good people around you, i.e. boyfriend, number one. I'm sure that's been amazing. Um, How have you navigated this like crazy industry? There's so much for us to talk about. But the fact that you've managed to think about where you put your money. Yeah, thank you. I think it's like... It comes down to personality and I think I've got, I'm quite lucky that I've got a family who are really um, kind of headstrong, I don't know, they kind of have given me lots of advice Um, and, but also at the same time, like I haven't done everything, everything right, like it's very, because earnings in music are really strange and I think in a lot of creative fields, like you, and actually just being self-employed actually in any field, because you tend to get paid in lumps. You don't, you're not on a salary, obviously, and you have to really 
like from a young age kind of learn if you start young obviously it's self-employed you have to learn like okay yes I've got this chunk of money now and that looks really nice but I can't spend that because I have to pay a tax bill or I don't know what if I want to what if my laptop breaks I need that um so you're always which is hard because on one point of view you kind of can get a bit fearful about spending any money at all because you it could all go in a second and you're like there's no money coming in every month or like a a salary or anything like there's a pot of money and you pull out of it to live off and it just goes down and down and down and down until you do something else that tops it up again um it's kind of feast and famine it's a yes i i feel you i feel you but it's weird because even you saying it in such a an obvious way there's many people i'll put my hand up to this i when i was making great money i was i had an addison lee car account I wasted so much money on cabs. It's disgusting. Not because I was necessarily like, hey, I don't want to go on public transport. I just hated the tube. And my job was so stressful that I wanted to make it as easy as possible for myself. So it was also the time that I could talk to friends and catch up with people on the phone. But when I calculated how much money I spent with Addison Lee, I should flip and have shares in the company. It's just shocking. So you still did something that a lot of us haven't done you still manage to have in the back of your head, what if my laptop breaks? What if I don't have enough money to pay the tax? Not everyone thinks like that. So do you think it's just down to the fact that your mum and dad like really taught you, don't be stupid, really think about what you're doing? I don't know. I don't think I'm really that good, actually. Like, my mum and, and dad like were great, but also like they, they were the first in their families, both of them, to go to university. Um, they both grew up on council estates and actually my dad especially grew up in like really like quite severe poverty and it's really interesting watching the change because he then like worked really hard and had a few kind of lucky opportunities and met the right people and it's now um doing really really well for himself and works for one of the kind of big four accountancy firms and and he's a partner there and um and he has now almost become almost out of touch and when i was going to university there was a suggestion that like how much you know you get like your loan for your fees and then you get your um loan for like living and stuff and if you if your parents obviously earn above a certain amount you get the like the minimum which is totally fair um because they luckily could afford to top me up so um but there was a suggestion of how much i, I should live off a week and my dad was like horrified and didn't know how i was going to survive so well, what will you eat my like, dad i'm going to liverpool yeah. I'm going to be fine. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, but I also think there's part of my personality. I did this, um, I think it's called like Enneagram personality test thing. And I'm a type three, which essentially means that I tend to do things or like have things that are maybe like one step above actually where I am in my life. <laughs> and then I try to like, I have to like work to keep them. Um, it's a weird like oh my god like, that's, this is such a weird example but I don't know who it was but it was somebody famous that recently said if you cannot buy two bags as in two Celine's or whatever designer bag you love not that that's my world but um you shouldn't buy one if you can't afford to buy two you shouldn't buy one no actually do you know who said it Camille who's a fellow songwriter a musician she I think it was her that said it. if you can't buy if you can't buy two, you shouldn't buy one. If you can't afford two. And that really threw me because I thought, well, those bags are like £1,500 minimum. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's some sense in it. But listen, um, your journey has been really interesting. And I've watched you from far and I thought, oh my God, one day we're going to get to talk. So I'm really pleased that even though it's like this, that I'm getting to chat to you. I really admire how um, your passion and your drive for music has always been kept you going even when you've gone through personal struggles because we all I know I talk to friends all the time we all go through exactly not probably exactly the same but in in a lot of ways similar things that you've gone through but we're not always as vocal or as vulnerable as or as honest and open in sharing it with the world and when you did that a few times I know once I dm'd you because it really touched me and I was like oh my god like I love that she's done that but um coming into the music industry Nobody tells you, as a person that loves playing every possible instrument as a kid and just loves performing, that there's going to be all this other stuff that comes with it. You know, opinions, people, sometimes people pleasing, fans, critics, um, 
what was your understanding of what you were going to get into and then how did it compare to the reality of what you got well I had literally no idea really what I was getting into um I just knew I didn't really want to do anything else so I was like well whatever this is I'm gonna have to deal with because this is what I want to do um and I knew I wanted to write songs for other people and also be an artist and the writing songs for other people thing was like is just the most chilled thing, I think. I mean, I'm sure like some people might say different, but for me, I think compared to the artist world, it's like, in terms of a daily like working life, you can kind of, you can work as hard as you want to or need to. Um, and, and you can work as many hours as you want. And actually there's no one, for me anyway, there's no one like banging on my door at 6 p.m. every day, like what song have you written today? Um, for me, and like people I surround myself with, it's much more about, quantity than quality and also about finding time to live um so you've got things to write about so that i love and also it's just like you turn up to a studio at like you might have a meeting in the morning but realistically i'm probably like descaling the tap of something in the kitchen and then getting to a session at 12 pootling my way there in the car and getting there at 12 and then doing about five hours of writing which mean like three hours of lunch and chatting and then a bit, <laughs> a bit of writing um and then coming home um and it's just it's just a lovely thing and it obviously has its stresses and, and pressures and whatever but ultimately it's is a wonderful thing but the the artist thing is so different and I, nobody tells you what it's like because actually it's quite hard to have access because as a kind of non-artist or if you're not in like when i was starting out you can't just dm an artist and be like so what's it really like they're not going to tell you because it's just bad pr like, it's also the big thing about about the pressure of not seeming ungrateful as well because this is supposed to be like you know the dream thing to be an artist or to be in like like the pop world and to sign a record deal you can't possibly complain about it because it's just the most amazing thing in the world which of course it is but also it's really hard and no matter anyone who has their dream job no matter what it is there'll always be bits that actually are really difficult and that surprise you about it that no one really says yeah um but yes yeah, you know there's all, all sorts of other things to deal with and things that you actually don't know whether you're ever going to like like if we put it into context for those that may not remember a few years ago i think it was brit critics um choice award you were shortlisted bbc sound all of all of those things that like musicians dream of you know you were in all of those lists i went to see you perform i remember it was somewhere like a i think it was in london bridge somewhere it was a small venue i remember seeing you performing and you had like so much pressure because you weren't just coming in as a new pop artist you were put into that that kind of group of oh my god she's the new big singer songwriter you guys this is the one so you had a different type of pressure i felt anyway um and you always seemed, from what I could see, like so engrossed in music that you almost tried to like ignore all the other stuff. Is that fair? Yeah, sort of. I, I think because I was really, um, I was very involved, like on a deep level with the music that I kind of didn't actually a lot of the time have enough headspace to kind of think about a lot of the other stuff because I was kind of like arranging stuff and co-producing and writing a lot of it on my own. I spent a lot of time like worrying and thinking about that. Who was your support system, management? Did you have a great manager? Do you still have the same person? Was it A&R? Was it somebody completely away from the label? I mean, what, who supported you? Because you must have had like, those times needed guidance through all these situations. Like you're up for this, you're up for this. Yeah, so I have um, my manager Grant, who I met at university um who I still work with now um and he manages me and SG Lewis as well so, so we all went to uni together and I write with Sam all the time and it's just yeah it's lovely and it's nice to to work with Grant like from day one because we our first meetings in like the canteen of uni which is just like the, the most weird thing but um but it's lovely because we've experienced all this stuff together um like along the way which is really nice and he's just yeah great at being being the bad guy when I didn't want to be the bad guy because that's kind of what managers have to do um like to kind of be on your team and also just yeah just guiding me through stuff and I kind of it meant that I didn't have to worry necessarily about some elements of it about like what who's coming to this gig or what the move is or what we need to do like he was really good at filtering stuff like that and knowing when I was like just didn't need to hear it 
I remember like whenever I talk to female musicians, especially those that truly love the, the process of being in the studio writing and producing and not just being in music videos and all that other stuff that comes with it, which is also awesome, but not everybody's driven by that necessarily. I think women have a different type of pressure to men. Um, I look at Ellie Golding, for example. Ellie came through as a singer-songwriter playing guitar, not really about this, it was about that and her writing. And I think at some point, and I'm sure she would agree, um, she got pulled into that whole, is she a sex symbol? Does she, does she do, do men find her attractive? I remember talking to her once and she said to me, I want to be on one of those FHM sexiest women lists. And for a minute I thought about it and I thought, do you know what, imagine being an incredible musician and never being in those lists of what people deem as attractive, hot, sexy women. Because we're all girls, we're all, we all still want to feel appeal, appealing or noticed. But also somewhere in society, we've been taught we need that too, that we don't think it's enough, that we're funny, we're smart, we're talented, we're kind, we're this, we're, like I've got to be desirable, somebody's got to fancy me as well because then I, you know, it's, it's a really complex conversation to have. And I, I know all of us have had it, have felt that at some point. So I'm wondering for you, um, how did you feel about that aspect, being a young woman in the industry? Yeah, so I actually had a really interesting experience with this, which I actually think is probably like really uncommon in that it was pretty positive. So I, I had a really amazing female a &R who was just great and was totally on my team and actually more so than the artist thing, a and me as a songwriter throughout the process I was with her. So she was fantastic. But I also think there's something about, which is an awful thing in one sense, but also was good for me as well. And looking back, I can only see this now. Because I wasn't like, I didn't look like a typical pop star. I was like, I'm bigger than like most of the kind of smaller girls that were being signed at the time. And I had this like frizzy ginger hair. And I actually think that, it just wasn't even a thing they just didn't think and that's kind of awful in one aspect but also I think made me so much happier that the kind of sex symbol thing just wasn't even talked about <laughs> like it wasn't even a thing and actually I think it was like the most wonderful thing because I think and also I expect in other situations with other people I might have been told to lose weight or to do this or to do this with my hair or to straighten my hair I don't know yeah it's just never the only conversation that was had was um uh, would you like to do something to your hair to make it more ginger? I was like, yes. And so I went and had some, um, actually, and they ended up really mucking it up and it was awful, but um, basically just because sometimes in some lights my hair looks a bit more brown. And they were like, we think it'd be great if it like just popped more and it stood out. And I'm like, I was like, yes, always. But it was, yeah, and I had really, they really were with me and like helped me pick because um, the label I was with didn't have any, it's Capital Records and they like in a kind of unique way don't have like in-house stylists or music video people like everything kind of you kind of can choose your own team which was great um and so I got to pick you know who I wanted to do my makeup and my styling and stuff and it was just like really positive um experiences they were very wholesome like women that um that I had working with me and I'd turn up with my stylist Ellie and she'd just have a rail full of stuff that just fitted me and there was never any experience of like, oh, that's not going to work or that's not going to look good. She looked at what I was wearing, what I felt comfortable in. And we, we, I, we dressed me in that, in the remit of what I was comfortable with. And, and that was it. And then the focus was on making my skin look really nice and accentuating freckles and making sure my hair was always kind of wavy and, and whatever. So it was that, from that aspect, it was a really positive experience. How did you feel about those things now like thinking back like when I think back of like like I said the hair being blow dry straight certain things with job presenting jobs I'm wondering now when you're hearing yourself talk like you know they exaggerate my freckles they worked on my you know we worked on my skin I mean how does that make you feel even thinking that at one point all of those things I don't know I mean I they may still matter because we're women we care but um when you hear yourself talking like that how does that make you feel on reflection it sounds really weird, but I actually feel, so I made quite a distinction um, early on 
to use Francis as my artist's name because my name's Sophie. And That's what I was going to ask you is Francis your middle name? Like, why did you go with Francis? It is. Okay. And I did that, like, I made that decision at uni when I thought, oh, maybe I'll be an artist. It was almost like a kind of role play thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll be an artist and I'll be called Francis. Ha ha ha. And actually, I did that because I thought, maybe if I ever had fans, I might find it a bit weird if they call me Sophie. So like, then I can separate and like people that know me really well or like my family and my friends call me Sophie and like that that's me and then Francis is the work bit and I don't know why I just made that decision eight like you know years ago and I actually think it's really helped because when I so I was doing a photo shoot and they're putting makeup on and doing whatever I didn't feel like they were dolling me up and was like oh it's it's Francis kind of thing and actually also I just really enjoyed that I think it was really fun so it's almost like you're Sasha Fierce. You know, Beyonce had her Sasha Fierce and she says like, Sasha Fierce can do things that Beyonce doesn't do. Um, that's quite nice actually. I never thought of it in that way. Yeah, and it means that like, when I'm Sophie, I can just do what I want and actually sit in my pajamas and not have to worry about putting makeup on. Um, and I do, I, I really enjoy putting makeup on, but also I just, I quite often just don't really bother. Um, and it, it was a weird, I think, there's a probably a, potentially a frustration from the, the label side, which is I think why the artist thing at that time didn't end up like gelling properly for me eventually, was that I kind of was a bit reluctant to buy into it. Um, and I think that was a good thing because it meant that I didn't get sucked into the kind of like the nastier side of it. But I also think that was because I had, we picked my team really carefully. So like I had a really good PR person who made sure that, the things we did were really focused on music and just like just really credible interviews and people that and they were really like told like don't ask her what she uses on her hair <laughs> oh, so you know it all, then it's gone. Grow, grow. You know I'm here holding on tying up your loose ends and Sometimes we have this thing where people say, this is your chance, don't mess it up, don't mess it up. You had everything being thrown at you as this musician that's going to be the next big thing and and you still took a step back and took a moment for yourself and redefined how you wanted to be seen as an artist, as a musician in yeah. the industry. And I think that's super brave, but I think a lot of us probably wish we had done things like that sooner in our careers rather than just kept going kept going kept going and then you're just stuck yeah I can really see that I think I've always I don't know where it comes from but I've always had this kind of like weird blind faith that I'm gonna be all right and I don't really know why or where, I, where it's come from but I just kind of have this thing that I kind of feel like well if I chose to do that then I'd I'd succeed at it because I'd do it for long enough work hard enough at it that I'd be fine yeah. and I'd make enough to live and it'd be all right um and I think I don't know whether that's because of my parents or like my upbringing or, or what it is. But, um, so I think I didn't necessarily feel that scared about taking a break from the artist thing. Um, you just decide one day that. Well, no, it was probably over about a year okay. where I was like, because mm. I, I don't really love performing that much. Really? That's so weird because when I see you, piano, violin, the joy in your flipping face, you just look like you're in your element. Yeah, but there's like, it's like a swan, isn't it? Like, oh, this is so nice. And then up, like under the water, I'm like, oh my God, this is horrendous. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like it occasionally. I love playing, like I'll play at home. I love singing and playing to myself, obviously. But the minute you put an audience there, I'm just not really, it's more, I don't, I'm not, I don't get stage fright in the sense that I, I don't actually worry about what people are thinking or whether I'm getting stuff wrong. It's actually more, I have quite a kind of severe anxiety, kind of claustrophobia element to being stuck on stage. And the kind of thing of like, oh, what if I throw up or like something horrible happens? And of course, I've never had to stop a show. I've, I don't know how many that I've done since I started doing it, but they've, they've always been fine. I've always made it through a show, no matter if my brain's telling me like, you need to get off, you need to get off, you need to get off. Um, Going back to that moment, was 
and you said it was a year leading up to you making that decision. Was it the live shows? Were you literally just like pushing it because you were on the James Bay tour? You did so many tours and you were all over the world at one point. And so was it a big part of that that made you take a step back? Yeah, I think it's also like noticing how that's been eating away at you. So I really enjoyed doing the artist thing when it was going well. So when there was like a, even if it was like, I just did a bit of promo in Sweden, they were like, oh, like the song's gone up 10 places on iTunes. Like, yeah, I love this, this is amazing. But I didn't love it enough for it. Like I love making music, but being an artist, I didn't love enough to do it when it wasn't, <clears throat> when all the news wasn't amazing. Um, <clears throat> and I think, yeah, it's the, all the kind of surrounding bits, like the James Bay tour, for example, was amazing. And I look back on it and go, well, what an amazing thing to do and James was just the most lovely person to tour with um so sweet and which means his whole whole crew are just lovely they set up my keyboard for me every night just me and my manager they, like they, just, they went they're all they're all from Newcastle they're just like the sweetest people when yeah. they set up my keyboard for me they're just adorable but in reality like that tour was really hard like the shows were actually I actually kind of enjoyed them because when there's more people I don't mind it as much because there's a bit of separation um and it they kind of like a sea of like faces rather than when you can like hear someone cough like right in front of you like oh god so close go away um but but actually I was like towards the end of that tour because we were doing it really cheaply so we were like staying at pretty kind of like weird little motels on the edge of highways and I'm quite I'm like a I'm a, I'm a star science cancer. I don't really like read into that stuff that much, but I am quite home bird. And like all this, like, the strip lighting in the little motels. I was like, oh my God, like what is this <laughs> doing? I don't understand. Serial killer's going to walk in and kill me at some point. Help. Yeah, totally. And it just all felt so unfamiliar. Yeah. Um, and I think I just found it all really, really odd and really overwhelming. And, but at the same time, I'm very good at just being like, yeah, this is amazing. This is great. Yeah. Actually, I was horrendously homesick and kind of painting. This is why I love you, because you say all the stuff that the rest of us feel but don't always say, because you feel like you just said you're supposed to be grateful, you're the few people that get to do this for a job. How dare you complain about anything? But in reality, everything you're saying, I've heard people say behind the scenes to me but not being able to say it like you're saying it and I love that you say it and you own it and you're like I'm just gonna say how I feel and then I'm gonna many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Act on it rather than everybody else not everyone but a majority of people wearing a face representing something to the world but inside being absolutely devastated with the life that they're living because you're lucky you're the chosen ones do you know what i mean and um when you had that conversation with grant your manager who you're very close to how difficult was it did he did he see it coming you saying look i want to take a step back yeah i think because we'd worked together for so long he he was kind of in, I, I'd tell him, he had snippets of it for like a year of me being like, 
oh god I've got to do another show and like he was the one person as well as my boyfriend Jack who would, who would be standing in an audience who would know if I was having a really bad time on stage even if I was like everyone else was going wow like she's so natural it's amazing and Grant would come up and be like okay like no <laughs> I'm not all right and he just like he just kind of knew and I could sometimes see him in an audience because I'd know I, I'd be like having it like an internal time and see him and he'd just be going it's like really feeling it for me Wow, so he really, you lot were really connected. Yeah, for sure. I think because he'd seen my first gig and just like had seen all of them. Um, and also it's like, because we're both pretty young, it was just on WhatsApp. And so it's like, he gets like a constant like stream from in a session. I'm like, this person's weird. You know, <laughs> Get me out. Do you know your songs? Like, Don't Worry About Me, Things I've Never Said. You are incredible as a songwriter. You write those, I've got goosebumps saying it. You literally... I don't know if you remember Alicia Keys' album songs in A minor. Um, and I just remember falling, all of the, the, I think it was the sequencing as well. Classic songs, regardless of what genre they're from, have this thing about them being timeless. And you know, those musicians that are special can make timeless music. And I think that's the dream, that's the goal. Not like what people are going to be into now, but 10 years from now. So you said you've got an album coming. So you yeah. talk so, to me about where that's come from. Yeah, so I basically stopped doing the kind of more traditional artist thing, took a bit of a break, was writing for other people and loving it. Yeah. And as a result of that was like, I need to start producing properly because I wanted to just be able to do sessions just with artists. So just have them come to me and we could just write together and then I could make their demo for them. And then essentially I was doing that for a couple of months and then a couple of A&Rs at some labels were like, can you finish this record? I was like, okay, is this production? Um, and then I just end, slowly just ended up doing it. Well, quite quickly, actually. Um, just tried, like, threw myself in at the deep end and just, like, just gave it a go, kind of fake it till you make it type thing. Um, but through doing that, I just expanded, like, the production I was doing and, like, learned more. And I'd go and do sessions with producers and be like, what are you doing? Send me that. What are you using? I love that sound. And just slowly built up my little collection of, stuff and sounds and stuff and then um over like i think it was just a week where i just ended up making a couple of songs um and just really just playing just playing with music and with production stuff and was like oh my god i think this actually could be me like this could be like an artist thing and i sent i wrote like three or four of them in a week um i was like am i making an album <laughs> what am i doing i don't know but it was the most lovely thing because it was just um just me and grant and obviously Jack, but from a work point of view, just me and Grant listening to these songs um, and no one else was hearing them. I wasn't, I wasn't signed to Capitol Records anymore. So it was like, no one's hearing these. Like, this is actually such a lovely thing. Um, and I just had this freedom to just make whatever I wanted to make. And I didn't have any opinions. Because um, Grant was just like, lovely, keep them coming. You're holding my heart in your hands. It's the safest feeling I've had It can't be true Someone like you feels this way for me I hear three little words from your mouth and My heart can't figure it out So humor me I know you've said it But just say it again I want to know that you mean it this time Say it again The girl that decided, I'm going to push back a little bit and I'm going to focus on writing and how producing, love it, that you went and challenged yourself to learn another skill, then decides that she's going to now like put herself as the artist, you know, in the front again. What, what are you going to do differently and how have you convinced yourself it's okay to do this, girl, I'm going to be okay. Like all of the reservations you had before that panicked you and made you feel anxious about it. Um, how have you challenged those this time around so that you are able to enjoy it, I hope? Yeah, so I think it's just very different. So I'm 27 now. I was 21 when I signed to Capital and I was kind of just ready to do whatever they wanted me to do, basically, um, which lucky for me wasn't anything that extreme. Um, they didn't really want to change what I was doing or the way I looked or whatever. So I was, that was really lucky. But at the same time, I, I was definitely kind of under their guidance very much. And 
was kind of trusting everything that they were doing and actually wouldn't have known how to do any of it differently myself wouldn't have had any opinion um or opinion but any knowledge to know kind of what we could have done differently because they've been doing it for years and I'm actually very grateful for that opportunity and what we did because I made an album that I really liked and songs that a lot of them that I'd written myself and um and they managed to get it to a point where it got heard by quite a lot of people which meant that when I came to writing for other people I was like I could get in some rooms that I probably couldn't have got in if I was, was starting from scratch so that's a really nice thing and then also coming back into the artist thing now you find that because we're not starting from scratch there's already still like some monthly listeners there on spotify i mean things like that um that it's going to be potentially harder or easier i don't know but there are people there that are kind of willing to listen i don't have to start from the very beginning which is nuts and i'm wondering for our fellow creatives that will be listening to this um this is a really interesting thing to take on board you've acquired more skills during this time of like I guess not reflection just but like almost like reintroducing yourself to yourself even figuring out what you want to do in the industry in your career but um all those songs that you've written for other people and you've not really named a lot of people but you've written for some incredible people that I want you to mention um that's also become your blueprint and opens more doors because you've you've shown guys I can do all this so it makes it a little bit, I would think, easier for when you are back at the front and it's like, well, this girl knows how to make hits. So I hope people can hear this and know that sometimes taking a step back from being at the front, which could have been the story all the time, it doesn't mean you can't get back up there and, and put yourself back in that place, but differently. Yeah, exactly. And also you, as a songwriter, you develop relationships with um, like A&Rs or other labels because you're working with their artists or whatever. So that's really helpful. And you also make friends, like kind of work out that the industry is actually really small. Um, there aren't that many people doing it really, like at that kind of like A&R level. And when you go and meet them, um, it's really nice actually to just chat to them as a, a songwriter and like, oh, let me just play some stuff I've been doing for myself. And actually, generally these people from my experience anyway just love music and actually just want to help you out um and also it's nice because i start the conversation with by the way i'm not signing to a label so we're not having that conversation but <laughs> what do you think of this um and it's just yeah it's nice to kind of make those friends and have that kind of support network around you and also the producers that i'm working with for other artists like their friends and now what i feel like now is because i've made this um, this next album just purely on my own because I felt like I really needed to do it um, just to know that I could do it and now I've got a few people that I want to um, like get involved for the next one um, so I started asking them questions um, and seeing if they want to get involved and it's nice that I've, I've known them in one context of writing for other people and now they're, I, want, I, I love what they do and I know what they do because mm. I've seen it with other artists and like, do you want to come and do something on this song or, it's kind of basically a and R it myself which is a really nice thing so the album it's done yeah you've written it yeah are you happy with it are you proud of it yeah. like can you listen to it yourself can you listen and enjoy it yourself yeah I do quite a lot <laughs> which is hilarious but I just think what's interesting is that actually because I actually made it quite a long time ago probably like a year and a half ago um and then we've, then it was like covid and it was just difficult because I'm not doing it full time because I'm writing for other people so it took a bit of time but and also we spent a long time finding the right um, people to put it out um like we're doing like an independent thing so we wanted to find the right balance of someone who's got a bit of budget to give us to, like make artwork and do PR and stuff like that but also not someone who's not going to do anything like that's just going to put it on itunes and not do anything so it's hard to find that balance but we found that and that's great but that took a few months so um but yeah now i'm i'm now like fiddling with some stuff that would be for the next one because i want to kind of keep a fairly like consistent stream of music i think because i'm just gonna be making it all the time i don't want to do like an album then wait a million years and then another I love one this. so you've got the you've got the bug you're back in it um what's the album sound like a bit more like musically mature and more like detailed musically just because i had the freedom to kind of do it um yeah there are a couple of ballads but there also are some songs with it's probably in a little bit of a more electronic space but it's still very very small album like it not none of the songs sound like big and like grand and stagey like that's not the point I wanted it to sound like I did make it at home on my own which I think it does um 
So, and listening back, a couple of times I've listened back, I'm like, ugh, cringe, because I definitely would have changed that now. But then actually it wouldn't have been what it was. And I love the fact that it is, it's of that time. Yeah. Uh, and I think it makes probably the songs a little bit more charming. People could really learn a lot from how um, in control you are of your career. And it's, no, it's, I think people need to hear it because a lot of times if you don't, if things don't go necessarily the way you envision them to, people feel deterred and like think, ah, I can't do it, I'm going to give up. But yeah. the ones that really live and breathe something and they can't live without it, i.e. in your case music, you keep finding ways of doing it because otherwise you're going to feel incomplete as a person. Clearly music is something that is something you have to do. It's an expression. So there's a hundred reasons and excuses that we can all come up with to not do the things we want to do. Um, you're making it happen and you've been silently doing it in your own way and now you're about to release another project. Um, so I think you're in definitely the shoes that could give some advice to other people. What would you say? I think I never had, never had the kit. I didn't, I didn't know anybody in the works in music. My parents aren't musical. I had no idea really what to do. And I just used things that everyone can access like YouTube. Um, and I got a part-time job and saved up to get myself an Apple computer so I could use Logic, um, which is what people were using to make music. Um, and I would, I used to go through like the top 10 on iTunes at the time, which now seems like a bit like, irrelevant, doesn't it? But it's like the top 10 yeah. on the like, official chart or whatever, actually, and see who wrote them and like who wrote these songs and what have they done before. And then you can go and find them on Twitter. And, like, what are they doing? And, who are they and how did they start out and actually you can get a good indication of like how people's different how like different people's journeys are um so I used to do that a lot and also I was probably quite calculated at the beginning which is really weird but I kind of didn't know how else to do it so like the first song I ever put on SoundCloud as Francis um I got produced in a way that sounded that actually wasn't what I wanted my music to sound out, sound like eventually, which probably is not what people want to hear because people are supposed to stay true to themselves all the time. But it was like, but songwriting wise, it was, you know, I loved the song, but at the time, blog, music blogs were huge. Um, and I, what I wanted to do was get my song on a music blog and then get it, get it heard by like, top, um, by like Tom Robinson or something to go on the radio. Like he had this like fresh on the net thing on SoundCloud. So cute, I love you. <laughs> So I was like, I need to be on that. That's my next step. So I just, I was like, I'm going to make a song that sounds like something that these blogs like. Because they're all just kids writing these blogs. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I'm just going to do that. And put it on SoundCloud. And then it did. And it got, and Grant, who I was working with at the time. But if I was on my own, I would have done the same thing. Just researched what are the top blogs, like Tumblr, all these things. Just send it to literally everybody. Um, and eventually enough people will post about it and it goes up a hype machine and then you do the thing and that, that led me to um do the fresh on the net thing tom robinson and then um this guy just reached out who owns this label called kitsune in france um and they do like first releases with a lot of artists and they do remixes and then we just put a song out with them with a few remixes and then capital got to hear that so but at the same time i was doing writing sessions with people that had graduated from my uni um, who had a, someone had a friend who worked at Universal Publishing and like there's just if you put yourself in enough places especially with the internet um, just be just be relentless and unavoidable really relentless and unavoidable I love that that's like a t-shirt yeah. <laughs> I love it so listen um, also I have to touch on songwriting for other people I used to always think that if I were a singer, songwriter and artist also, I would find it infuriating because I would be used to doing things a certain way. And also there would be somebody in my team that would say, you should keep that for yourself. That's too good. Don't give it to them. You, on the other hand, seem to really love this process because you started this podcast and um, Dizzy on the Dash. And every time I've listened to it, you literally, everybody you've spoken to, you've done sessions with, and you seem so happy and that they you've all benefited and you've made songs with them and they've which shows that there's no ego which I love but um how did you embrace that part of what you did and how has that process helped you now as an artist as well being in a studio with some of these people and can you name some of the people you've written with please okay um well yeah I think the writing for other people thing is something that I've always wanted to do because amongst like loving the more 
for like left side of things, which is maybe where my artist project is going to sit, like ever so slightly left of center, not like really, not Radiohead, but somewhere in between. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I also just love straight up pop music. I love it. And I grew up listening to Motown and disco and all this like fun stuff. And so I just love writing it and I love really rhythmic melodies and it's stuff that I don't necessarily love singing myself my artist project because my artist thing sits in a it's a more like little indulgent space for me but actually writing for other people I love doing it so like um on the kind of more like pop pop side I've done stuff with um Dua Lipa Queen um Jess Glynn also a queen uh, Megan Trainer, the US Queen um lots of girls actually What's it like to be in a studio with these girls? Like, do you are, you know, all of these people you've mentioned, um, I've met all of them, they're all really lovely, but you get to see them behind the interviews, like just chilling. So what's that like? I think you realise quite quickly that everybody is very normal. Um, And actually they can live quite an extraordinary life, Um, especially someone like Megan. I always think like the US side is all is always a little bit more extreme because if you have success in the US it means something quite different to success in the UK just like financially in terms of like celebrity status it's just huge if you're you're big in the US like it's it's a thing so and there's you know an element of like there's there's PAs there's like there's people who get the water like there's just as a system in um, LA probably more than the rest of America but um and so someone like Megan, who does have this, she's got the most wonderful little sister around her. She's got this PA who was just like adorable and so warm and the most, essentially just Megan's best friend, um, who just looks after her little dogs when she's in the studio. It's lovely. And she's got a really, actually now husband, a really lovely husband and her brother, Ryan, who is her videographer and so comes to sessions. And he's also like a really good singer. So he's really helpful. Um, and she's just got this lovely little support network but and which is so which is an unfamiliar thing for me because I go to sessions on my own um I turn up on my own and leave on my own and you know that's kind of what I do but and she comes with you know this kind of has she encouraged you to say to Jack oi come along bring the cats exactly we're all going I think if you do that in London people will be like what are you doing whereas in LA cool they're kind of there's a system in LA like they're kind of set up for it um it must be quite comforting to see that because it must also show you how you can really put so much amazing stuff around you and it helps and makes you feel more relaxed yeah for sure um but yeah I think you just learn that these people do live quite extraordinary lives but actually they're just so normal do you feel nervous when you because like you are so flipping talented but that initial 10-15 minutes when they walk in and you got to get a note, get to know each other. Like, who's who's been the person that you were most excited about being in the studio with, but you held it down? You were trying to keep your composure, be the professional songwriter you were. Like, was there anybody that you were a little bit like, oh my god? I think like all of them, to be honest, because it's just like because when you're especially hearing someone sing, like a voice that you know and recognise that you've heard on the radio for years, singing yeah. something that you've written is really odd and. You're almost like you have to why well, have to anyway i didn't want to criticize it i didn't want to be like oh maybe we could try this but actually you have to remember that that's what they're used to and it's okay like you are working together but it, I, you almost feel like a bit of a prize winner like a competition winner <laughs> like oh wow like what an opportunity and then i go home and I'd be like oh, shit, i was supposed to work today i was supposed to like produce something and make it work but you just forget <laughs> You've made friends as well, haven't you? Because listening to your awesome podcast, which I can't recommend enough, I'm going to put in the show notes, um, Ditty on a Dash, you genuinely have this like infectious personality that all of them just seem so happy to just like, all right, let's do this before we do the session. Um, But is it nice that you've been able to make friends with these people as well, not just it be a work thing? Yeah, I think you kind of have to with music because um, it's so personal um you kind of have to bond on a level you have to at least especially with the artists that are like top of their game and living in a, a bit of a different world you have to find some kind of common ground because often you know that they, they are potentially living in really huge houses with you know PAs and whatever and I can't necessarily relate to that part of their life but also they might have a family dog and um, I do as well so you just have to kind of find those 
common, also the common ground will always be music and a love for what we do. So you find common ground from that point of view, or you might have been to the same restaurant or they might actually have grown up not far from you and you kind of work out that you're all the same actually. I know in the past you've, you've spoken about, you've spoken about getting, having therapy. Um, I don't know if you still are in it. I started it recently. Um, it's definitely an interesting process. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like past traumas are going to kill me and it's going to, you know, things that you don't realise. No, but things that you don't even realise that you may have held on to absolutely have determined some of the decisions you've made as a grown up, which is kind of weird because you think, oh, it's so long ago. Um, I'm wondering for you, um, therapy is something that's like heard a lot more now. A lot more, a lot more people are open about it, and how much it can help. Um, you mentioned anxiety and various things that you've had to deal with as a young woman in the industry and life in general. How helpful has it been for you that process? Really good. I think also because the problems I've had are very, they're quite like specific and it's based around like specific kind of like panic disorder, agoraphobia thing. So the therapy actually was very much about like unpicking that like those brain behaviors and changing the like the patterns and then also about like exposure and like teaching my body that this situation is not scary like we can do this this is fine and I think that's and I'm still like in that process and actually sometimes I kind of dip dip in and out of the CBT stuff because sometimes it's really useful and then actually I'll get to a point where actually I'm doing quite well just on my own yeah. and like just doing things and like expanding my comfort zones and stuff and actually the cbt just ends up like a, t- a chit chat and that's very expensive <laughs> so. cognitive behavior therapy it's supposed to challenge the way you do things and the way you think about stuff um a lot of people swear by it and say it's absolutely impacted um can you give if, if you don't mind if, if it's not too personal can you give an example of how it's helped at all in any situation that perhaps before would have been really really tough for you i think um like the first thing that comes to mind is the like the education on actually physically what is happening if like if anxiety is the problem or panic um like learn because that's a kind of only reference i've got because i haven't really had therapy for anything else but um learning actually what medically is happening to you if you're panicking if you're feeling anxious can be really reassuring um, in like the moments when it's happening. So you're like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Um, and actually then you kind of learn that it's okay. Like no, nothing bad is going to happen to you. Um, you're going to be absolutely fine. And learning to kind of, and actually one of the best things that my therapist ever said was that any kind of like anxious thought or intrusive thought, whatever it is, you can, um, I have this vision of, sitting at train station and like eating a little wrap or something and then the thought just comes into the train station but it's not stopping today so you can just like come through and like okay bye and actually that's fine because I think like if you're suffering from something like anxiety or panic that thought can come in and then you like cling to it and go oh my god and then explore it and then go on the train and look in all under all the seats and like you know explore kind of what's happening in that thought whereas actually it's to- just it's fine just just let it it's fine that it's come in you don't need to try and block it it's absolutely fine that it's there um but it can also just like wander out because i've also had odds like episodes and tendencies and a bit of ocd as well and i think that like that that kind of applies to everything and actually once you get educated on with the cbt on what's happening to you you can actually apply it to so many different if you ever experience because i think mental health also is just like you can have you can't really or often be diagnosed with something very specific because often you have a little bit of that, a little dose of that, a little bit of that. Yeah. And actually, actually the methods can often be applied to all sorts of things, all sorts of problems that you might have within the kind of depression, anxiety field. Um, the same methods can help with all of it. Just going, okay, I feel like that. I'm yeah. not going to try and stop it. Yeah, that's really interesting that you put it that way. Education to even know what you've got. Yeah. And to be able to go, oh, okay. And to identify when you're doing something that, is not quite right like that's not that's not quite healthy or something that's a bit like okay why do i feel like i need to do this why do i feel like i need to check the cat flap is shut for the fifth time why can't i pull myself that's a bit what was for me because i was terrified of something happening to my cats which is so ridiculous but if that you know that is what it was and i could recognize that okay okay so i think what i need to do here is to not do it and teach my body that nothing bad is going to happen yeah and that's what i did and i actually didn't need any cbt for that in that instant because I 
And do you think part of the therapy has been you being able to be more open about these things? Because you know we're all taught to be, like, ashamed and hide these things and, like, only tell your mum or your best mate or, like, behind closed doors. You've, you've been, like, incredibly beautifully vocal about it and it's been empowering for me and I'm sure other people that have seen it. Do you think therapy's helped you to find your voice and not be, like, ashamed of saying something I'm going through and this is how I'm dealing with it? Probably, I think because it gives you the language and the vocabulary to explain what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it can be a bit vulnerable to go to someone and go, oh, I'm dealing with this and I don't know what it means or I don't know. Because often you can be asked questions if you go to a friend or someone goes, oh, what do you mean? Why do you, what do you mean? Why do you feel like that? And actually you can go, I have no idea. But actually, if, if you have some therapy, but obviously going to a friend or family member should always be your yeah. first port of call because if you're going through NHS, it can take a little while, obviously. A long time, yeah, it can. So you shouldn't just wait for that. You know, you should always just talk to anyone. But it can make it easier once you've had that therapy to find the language to go, oh, well, actually, because you've always got that backup. You've got someone on your team who's like, so this is what's happening to you, and this is why it's okay, and this is why it's normal, and this is what we're working on. This is what is actually a part of you and is fine. And there's all sorts of, like, language that you can find to help you explain it better to people yeah. Yeah, no no thank you for that and I think Samaritans mind there's a lot of good charities out there that are also there to listen but I think it's yeah you're right at some point you need someone to be able to give you some of the answers that you can't figure out yourself always because it can be really lonely because you can be like in a room for the people and still be the saddest person in the room and nobody knows oh yeah totally and I think I, I can say I've definitely there's been times where I think about some of the things I've done I think when I used to go to like the most uncomfortable music industry things, I would like go to the toilet and call a friend and try and get so I didn't sit at a table awkwardly with people I didn't really know and get to the point of whatever the award show, whatever it was, and then shoot out because you know it's it's a lot. Some people seem to do it like so very easily, but some of us don't. And I think it's okay, isn't it, to just like be real and say, I'm introverted but also extroverted. I'm a bit of both sometimes and. I never thought you could be both, Sophie. I really didn't. I thought, how can you be really outgoing and really, like, loud and in that space, and then you're really quiet and shy in that space? So it's yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I think also it's. I wonder all those people that kind of look like they're nailing it, those events. I bet they're also going to the toilet and WhatsApping their friend, like, oh my god, this is so weird. But I'll put my face back on again. Like I remember, I you've got to have those people in your life who you can be really candid with. And actually, like, just giggle about it. And I used to have friends, I'd be like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to another, I'm going to this thing tonight. And they're like, oh, put your face on. Like, yeah, okay. And then I'll go and do it. And actually, it's nice knowing that you've got that person who can giggle with you about it. Because it is all a bit, like, showy and superficial. But it, you know, it's worth it at the end of the day. It's totally okay to kind of, like, go along with it and then kind of giggle about it later, about how hilarious yeah. it was. And go home. And I, just, I remember I sat in a premiere of a film and took off my eyelash, my false eyelashes when I was sitting in the things like this is ridiculous it's like lights are off now <laughs> taking them off <laughs> shoes off no. you remember the film it was um 50 shades darker i've written a song for the soundtrack oh i was like Take my eyelashes off. <laughs> i love you i love you i love you and this is the podcast um they say that like, the best ideas are always the ones that you don't overthink now you you do strike me as somebody who's a bit of a perfectionist so maybe i'm wrong here but it's just so flipping fun and just funny and sarcastic. And then it always, that musical moment takes me back to like, oh shit, they're actually really talented. <laughs> they're like us, but they're really talented as well. And why did you do it? Like, what made you think I want to do Ditty on a dash? Like, what, what, what was the inspiration? Well, I actually was just like walking. I was driven back from like a writing session I think and I was just but our old flat we used to have to park like five minutes away so I ended up doing my little walk back down to our flat and I just had this I don't know where it came from I just had this idea um to that wouldn't it be cool to have a podcast where like to hear people write a song live and I was kind of thinking and then I just came up with the the, the title Ditty and Dash was like well, it's kind of weird and alliteration and a lot of people probably don't know what it means but I was like whatever but I actually sent it as a joke so my manager was like, working title, like it's a bit of a joke, but he's like, I think that's really cool. Like, okay. Um, and yeah, I just came up with this idea. And then 
slowly, like I did a trial, and I've got a hilarious file on my computer, which is me doing a trial episode on my own. <laughs> Just to work out the timing and being like, and coming up with the little ideas, like the hit hat and then like all the little dimuli things spent ages like laminating bits of card and it was just actually really fun to create something from scratch that wasn't a song um mm -hmm. and to make the first time I was editing it I was like I felt a bit like a youtuber so I was like this is so fun <laughs> like making a bit of content like that never existed before and actually is like two people doing something that I love and it's related to music congratulations on the podcast I'm so excited for you I can't wait for the new music hopefully we catch up again soon um, yeah it'd be lovely thank you Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.